When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into episode 121 of the Sources Say podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Blessed, grateful, and so, so happy to have the one, the only, Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country on once again. Sean, how the heck are you? I'm doing amazing, Jack. It's that time of year where Kentucky football and Kentucky basketball overlap, and we are the busiest that we'll ever be, which is good. What a good thing, though. It's, it, yeah, the overwhelming, okay, what are we going to talk about? What are we going to write about? All of the overlap is here right now, and it is, it's quite stressful, but uh, it's fun. That's what, this is what we live for. This is why we do this job. This is, this is what it's all about, Sean. We're having a lot of fun with it. Uh, so, UK football is knocking down barriers and making history on their own front and, and, you know, winning all these massive games. Uh, but on the same, same level, just a day after Kentucky's win over LSU, UK hosts uh, a, a pro day where there's 70 NBA scouts and personnel in attendance. And, and we got to get our first look at this team, this 2021-2022 roster for the very first time outside of, uh, you know, Fan Fest and, you know, some of those things where there's really not many major takeaways. So we got our first actual in-depth look at this team and kind of we we're able to kind of set our expectations, uh, see new developments, who's been looking good this offseason, who's grown, who hasn't made that much of a leap. Uh, you know, who's going to be the, the biggest playmakers, the biggest stars, those sorts of questions are starting to get answered now. Uh, so, Sean, that's what we're here for. We're going to talk through a lot of the things we saw at Pro Day, and then we're going to talk through some of the things that we saw uh, the, just a day after on Monday uh, while some NBA scouts were still in town. The Kentucky basketball program graciously opened its doors to the media to watch an open practice with John Calipari's team so that was a pretty fun thing that we got to um, you know kind of get an inside look at the program some pretty interesting takeaways some things that uh, were a little bit frustrating about the event and things that we weren't really able to get many takeaways at all from so we'll talk through all of that but Sean I want to start with pro day with you Uh, what were your just kind of overall impressions to start with before we jump into the nitty-gritty of individual performers and such just a com- completely different team. I know that's uh, something that we're accustomed to and used to around here, seeing a lot of new faces, but it, it was good to see everyone out there. I know that we had had the, the players first and the fan fest thing a, a month ago, but it was good to see them all out there in Kentucky blue on the Rupp arena floor. And I think too, the, the biggest takeaway to me, Jack, from all of it is everything that Cal has been saying 
all offseason about playing faster, shooting threes. He preached the same thing to the, the scouts. Uh, they were there listening. He preached it to the entire Big Blue Nation. He was talking about playing quicker, getting out and running, the drills that they did, the things that they did. You, you could tell that he's tailored this thing to fit the way that he's put this roster together. So I think that was my biggest takeaway from it is just – they have a lot of options. They have a lot of depth, even with the guys that they have out right now kind of dinged up with some injuries that happened during the offseason or some things that people had to have cleaned up. This is going to be a deep team, but it's going to be a team that I think is going to take some time to kind of fill out, maybe in that early season schedule of November. I think that this is a team that's going to benefit from having those out-of-conference games because they have a lot of talent. They have a lot of depth, but you can tell that some guys are still getting accustomed to playing in this program. Yeah, I think you you nailed it because Kentucky started out with C.J. Frederick missing uh, the majority of the summer and leading up you know, all the preseason practices. He still hasn't returned to full contact uh, drills and scrimmages yet, so he's been out. Then Jacob Toppin hurts his shoulder. He's been out the, the entire month of September, and now midway through October, he's still yet to have a full contact practice. Uh, then we got Bryce Hopkins. We got an update from him that he missed uh, the all the full contact stuff during pro day uh, with a back spasm tightness thing that Cal was talking about. So, so he was kept at a full, uh, full contact thing. Then for pro day, or the open practice, coach Cal opens things up by saying that Lance Ware gets knocked in the throat and he's out for, I think he, he said that, that uh, he was just being held out and they were arresting him and that he was just kind of easing his way back. So that's not a long-term issue at all shoot he might be back at practice today for all I know but that was something that kept him out uh, and then to close out practice and we're going to get into this more in depth later on in the show but Saver Wheeler goes down with a left ankle injury uh, kind of a non-contact he's in a defensive stance and and you know guarding you know putting pressure on the ball and and he kind of trips over himself and and turns his ankle as well so that's five big time scholarship players that are dealing with something or not participating in full court, uh, full contact practice and drills and scrimmages and all that uh, sort of thing. So a, a lot of, of uh, lack of continuity and, and it's, it's been hard for this team to get just a flat out. They've, they, to this point, they have not had a 12 man scrimmage or 12 man practice a, at all. Uh, I was told that earlier this summer that Cal had to kind of run, you know, four on four stuff to account for injuries. But on top of that, because there's so many scholarship players uh, that that's how they were doing it. I think before, uh, before CJ's injury uh, earlier this summer that they were doing like four on four on four type things when they did have all 12 scholarship players. And even if they were down one, or I, I, don't, I don't think Kellen Grady was on campus in time. Uh, they had a walk on fill one of those, but to account for everybody, that's how they had to do it. So yeah, you're exactly right. This is a, uh, a bunch of pieces that are having to kind of come together as one cohesive unit. And it'll be interesting to see how they, how they come together. I thought it looked pretty solid in the, uh, scrimmage portion of the pro day event. Uh, I, I had to admit, Sean, the first bit of run, the 10 minute run at the end of that pro day was probably the most excited I've been uh, all off season after seeing, you know, you see it on paper, you talk about it endlessly, but to see it kind of uh, what, what the model was going to look like in person, I think for the first time that Sunday evening when we got to see that pro the uh, scrimmage in pro day, that's when I kind of started getting a little giddy about it because I think that there's a lot of stuff to work with, Sean. Yeah, I think that is the 
the most exciting that I've been, most excited I've been all off season because you finally get to see it. And I think that's the biggest takeaway from pro day is we finally got to see these guys out there. You got to see what they look like, the, the work that they put in the off season. And since they've been here to change their bodies, they've added, some have added weight, some have leaned down some, uh, just big takeaways or things like that. And, and the, the more that they get healthy too, I think the better it's going to be like you could tell, where they're shorthanded right now. They've had to run some walk-ons out there, and Stan Payne's had to do more. Kareem Watkins having to do more. Those are certainly affecting practices and these workouts and things like that, Jack. So I think it's big to see how many guys are back full go before they start that exhibition portion of the schedule. I mean, Duke is, what, three to four weeks away, that season opener? Yep. So you, you know that Cal's wanting to get these guys healthy. Right now they're a little banged up. Thankfully, it doesn't seem to be anything too major. I know a lot of people asking about Xavier Wheeler's injury update. We have no idea exactly what that was. It, it did look like just a turned ankle. Uh, I know he was going around campus yesterday giving out tickets for Big Blue Madness, and he didn't seem to have anything on his ankle, so that has to be a good sign there. So hopefully these guys can get healthy and those practices get even better as they go throughout the next few weeks. Yeah, so we had questions from Adam Coleman, Wheeler uh, injury update. Uh, Laren DG says Wheeler injury, the severity, um, Ray Kentucky fan for life says, how is Wheeler? Um, how is Wheeler doing? Couple, couple other people are talking about that injury. Um, just kind of want to walk through how it happened just very, very briefly. So he, uh, is, you know, in this defensive stance, he's about at, at mid court. Um, and he, like I said, he trips over his, his foot a little bit, anchor ankle rolls, um, he stays down on the ground for Sean like two minutes. Two, I mean, he was he was down there for a while. Uh, two trainers have to come over and walk him off. He's able to put no pressure on it whatsoever, no weight on it whatsoever. He they walk him over to the bench and immediately take his shoe off and they start you know massaging it out, starting you know seeing if he needs to get it taped up or whatever. Um, and he's just kind of really in excruciating pain, just kind of rocking back and forth where you can you can really tell that he's um he's hurting pretty bad uh, about a minute later they decide to take him to the back and it's he still needs help with two trainers walking him walking him back but he is walking he he was able to put some very very light weight on his foot uh, and get to the very back um but i will say that after the fact Coach Cal put out that video where he said, we got down to eight scholarship players today, and we had another guy that cramped up, which we didn't see who that cramp was. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, but he didn't make any indication whatsoever that Xavier was going to be out long-term or this would be a, a uh, you know something that was going to hurt the team, even in the short term, really. I mean, this – um, I, I thought if there was ever a time for him to be like, yeah, you know, kind of got a little dinged up today. We'll see how that goes. You, he would say something like that if he were worried uh, and he really didn't. So I thought that was definitely good news. And then I've had, I mean, shoot, I had six or seven people in my DMS uh, send me pictures of Savir walking around on campus. Like you said, he was handing out big blue madness tickets, uh, posing for pictures with people inside the UK student center. Uh, I mean, go down the list. He's been kind of all over the place, not wearing a boot, not in crutches, not doing anything of that sort. So I I'm starting to think I haven't heard anything like of substance from people close to the UK program or anything. Cause I don't know if there is anything to get from, from them. It doesn't sound like this is going to be uh, something to worry about, you know, in the long term. even if it is a, a you know, mid, 
ankle sprain or something like that. I mean, we're talking a couple weeks, not months. So uh, I, I do think that, that UK got some good news on that front, and it's very clear because he's out walking about, no boot, no nothing, uh, just kind of enjoying enjoying his days. So I think uh, that, that's definitely good news on that front, Sean. Um, let's kind of transition a little bit into individual standouts that you saw that you noticed both in pro day and uh, in the open practice for the media, who were some of, you know, give me a couple uh, of players that really stood out to you and, and that you think are uh, maybe if were surprises to you or that confirmed your optimism going into it or uh, those sorts of things. Sabir Wheeler is mine. And, you know, I've always been a big fan of his ever since, ever since he committed to Kentucky back in the spring, you remember me talking, I said, Sabir Wheeler is the clear cut point guard on this roster. Given, even with Mintz returning, with Ty Ty coming in, with Grady, even with that point experience, Sabir is the point guard. And I think that we saw that in the little glimpse that we got before he got hurt the other day too, Jack, just his ability to put the ball on the money for shooters. And I think that's the biggest thing. We knew that Sabir Coming into Kentucky, he's not known as a shooter. He's going to have to take some of those shots. He's going to have to shoot a better percentage at Kentucky than he did at Georgia. He's going to have to lower that turnover rate. He's not going to have to do as much, though. But his ability to put the ball in the shot pocket of the Dante Allens, the C.J. Fredericks, the Kellen Grady's, Tata Washington, all these shooters Kentucky has, I think that's the guy that solidified his spot to me. And he's a lot faster than a lot of people realize, too, even at his height. All those sprints the other night at Pro Day, he was winning them, like every single one of them. He's not John Wall fast or De'Aaron Fox fast. Those guys are different on an elite level of speed, especially when it comes to their height that they had and their, their length. But Sabir's first step, Jack, me and you were talking about it outside Rupp Arena the other day, his first step is among the best in college basketball, and that's something that really stood out to me. Yeah, I think that was – I mean, look, you guys have heard me on this show – I am not the most optimistic about Savir Wheeler uh, as as Kentucky's, or I haven't been at least uh, about UK's kind of up upper potential of what they can be as a national title contender and those sorts of things uh, leading up to this because I wasn't sold on Savir Wheeler. I think that the turnover issues are a major concern, and I still do don't think he can shoot. And I uh, was kind, I was I was really really wanting to focus on him going into pro day in this open practice to see, okay, what am I missing here? Because Cal's obviously so optimistic about him and that you talk to other people around the program. They're like, man, no, he's just, just be patient. They'll see. I talked to some other uh, SEC assistant coaches on the recruiting trail this off season. Uh, and they were like, nah, man, you're, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, Savir's going to be able to be the truth. Like he, he wrecked us. Like, I don't know why you think that he's not going to be able to succeed there. He, he, dominated against us so all these other people were like you know you're you're missing something here so I was wanting to see what I was missing and I was frankly super impressed with his defensive intensity and how he's just a gnat I mean they they did that four on three drill in open practice yesterday Sean where it was kind of that they were throwing the ball around the perimeters they had all the walk-ons and I think Brad Calipari was out there with them uh, where they were just kind of doing a, a swinging across the perimeter ball drill where it's really focusing on defensive rotations and, and really uh, chasing the ball. And, and it's like an it, it, endurance intensity uh, defensive drill. 
and and you know some of the other players were you know making some good plays and you know Dante Allen's length was was troublesome Jacob Toppin uh really you know kind of pokes some balls loose and that was impressive both of them uh but Savir was just running back and forth baseline to baseline jumping up in people's faces and just he's vocal and he was just kind of up up there I mean he was a gnat and I was like man that's that's something that I don't know if UK's had that guy uh, I mean, Ashton Hagens to to an extent, he was you know obviously a, a high level defender, but but you know it's you, it's hard to go down the list and see a player that's been like that since a guy like Tyler Eulis, where he's you know just so annoying on the defensive side, and then on the offense. I mean, like you said, really you know beating guys off the dribble and his first step. I mean, he was. He, I mean, there was one play that I think Dame or. Uh, who was it? Dante Allen, I believe, kind of sideswiped him in the face. Uh, but it was because he beat him off the dribble on the left wing, kind of got an up and under layup finish that he was that he was gonna finish, and and Dante kind of came in and kind of clotheslined him on the other end, didn't let him get that. But but he's gonna if he's able to do that against uh, Kentucky defenders, he's gonna be able to do that across anybody in the SEC, and yeah. he did he did do that last season as well. So if he can, there were a couple times, Sean, that. He kind of ran up in transition and jacked up a 17-footer, you know, a foot or two inside the three-point line in transition with numbers, and it's a bad shot. We've It's the shot that, that Kentucky well, fans have been complaining about over and over again. He's got to cut some of that stuff out, but if he can just be the facilitator, the playmaker, find those open catch-and-look shots for guys like C.J. Frederick, Kellen Grady, and Dante Allen, I mean, he's going to be playmaker uh, galore as a Wildcat. The good news is he, John Calipari uses the bench as motivation better than anyone does. Mm-hmm. At Georgia, Tom Crean didn't have that option. I mean, it was Savir Wheeler or who else are you going to put in in the game? And we know that Savir tried to do too much at Georgia. At Kentucky, if he gets in those spots and he does too much or he takes that shot, guess where he's going? He's going straight to the bench and somebody else is getting the opportunity. I think that that will be motivation enough to kind of kill some of those bad habits and get him doing what he needs to be doing. And if he does those things that I've been talking about and that you're talking about right now, I think this team can be very, very good. Uh, but now you're going to – and I wonder, too, as we get into this exhibition portion here, I don't think the blue-white game is going to answer as much for us because I want to see what it's like when they actually take on someone else mm-hmm. and then into those first parts of the schedule after Duke. Who's the guy that plays point guard behind Xavier? is my question, because I think we know it's Savier at the point. I just don't know who that second guy is. You mentioned Kellen Grady to me the other day. I know we've talked about Ty Ty Washington. We got to see a lot of him the other day, too, that that me and you kind of think that he's going to be better off the ball than he is on the ball. So I think that that's one of the biggest storylines going into the year right now is kind of they they have options at point, but how how do those options stack in order of what they prefer? Yeah, I I completely agree. I thought – the one of my biggest takeaways from the last two days of watching this team is that Ty Ty is great. He is very good. I'm very confident in his abilities as a scoring guard, but I, I do have my questions about his ability as a true on ball point guard compared to a Savier Wheeler. And, and maybe it just might be a, a case of an Ashton Hagens versus Tyrese Maxey or a, an Emmanuel quickly thing where they both give you, very productive play at the point guard spot point guard spot but it's about what you're really looking for uh because I thought it's kind of telling that in his one-on-one interview with the SEC Network crew he said yeah I know I'm not that fast 
And I thought it was pretty clear in watching some of the drills and, and scrimmage. He's not going to be a guy that's going to beat you off the dribble or, or, you know, some of those issues that we've seen with some past Kentucky point guards. Uh, he does He has that. He's very good at controlling the pace of the game and, and letting the game come to him, not rushing to, you know, he dictates the pace as opposed to letting the defender dictate it for him. And I think that's going to help him and will, will let him thrive in those situations. But I do kind of get that sense that Savir being as quick and fast and, and his playmaking ability, yes, the turnover issues are real, but letting him control the pace of the game and dictate that and allowing for more catch and shoot opportunities and putting Ty Ty in better scoring opportunities as an off ball guy. I'm starting to think that that might be the answer for, for Kentucky. Uh, not that, that Ty Ty can't do it, but that it, the team might just be better suited with that pure playmaker at the one. Uh, and I think we both had that, that thought and I was thinking, okay, who's going to be that three in that case? Are you going to bring Davion Mintz off the bench as your, as your starting point guard, or are you going to, uh, have him be your three, or is Kellen Grady? And there's a, a pretty revealing quote from Coach Cal during during pro day that we're going to talk about after this. Uh, like we said, could Kellen be that one that you bring off the bench? Uh, is he good enough to? Is he ready for uh, the the grind of being a starting small forward in the SEC? You know, those type of questions I, I think are very valid, and there there pieces are there. But Sean, like we talked about to start the show, it's about how Cal wants to use them and how the fit how each player is going to fit and I don't know if we'll get those answers until the full court the, the full contact practices start with Jacob Toppins yeah. EJ Frederick and Bryce Hopkins returning to the floor uh, within the next week yeah and I don't think we'll really know much until we get probably three or four games in Duke's going to tell a lot because it's on a national stage you're going to kind of see who emerges and who kind of shies away uh, every time that we come out of the Champions Classic, we know so much more about these basketball teams that John Calipari has. You had the Malik Monk game against Michigan State in Madison Square Garden where he went off. You knew then, at that moment, what Kentucky had. Tyrese Maxey, a couple of years ago, you knew what they had then. That game is going to answer so many questions about this roster. But I think that this roster has so many quality pieces that – Regardless of what Kentucky does in that first game, I know we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves here because we're talking pro day and practice, but I keep looking to that game at Madison Square Garden to tell us a lot. But I don't think it's going to be able to tell us all, Jack, because I still think that these guys, they're Kellen Grady, great. Oscar Sheboy, good. They're in a new program. There's so many things, and you saw that with the amount of whistles that John Calipari had to blow the other day during that practice, that he's, if he doesn't like how somebody sprints into a ball screen, boom, he's blowing a whistle and he's teaching it. If he doesn't like somebody's movement out of a ball screen or he doesn't like a pass, he is blowing the whistle and teaching it. He's really, really attention to detail with this roster. Even though it's experienced, all these guys are learning this system, and you can tell that it's taken some time. But it's good that they're going to have this exhibition schedule and everything to kind of get it figured out and get it cleaned up. It's just unfortunate that they're having so many guys out right now just banged up with not serious injuries but just little things that, if you keep pushing it, it could probably turn into something that lingers throughout the season. I, I just wonder how much that's slowing these, the development down right now because I just don't think that we'll know until we get into that season portion of it. Yeah, on that note, I mean, we got to bring up the quote that John Calipari gave on Kellen Grady. And so when he first arrived on campus, 
I talked to some people that were there at practice and that watched him and, and saw and said that like he brought such a professional veteran leadership mindset to this program that he was like the exact quote I got at the time was like, it was like a, a professional basketball player coming in to your program and, and, you know, being there for practice and, and kind of setting the tone for, you know, hard work, what it takes to be in the gym, how long you're supposed to be in the gym, those sorts of things. But I thought it was telling another guy said that, that, that by the, at the end of the day, he thought that Kellen Grady would end up leading the team and in, in scoring. And I, I just kind of always assumed that meant like he was one of the most, the, the furthest along players on the team that he was there ready. Uh, and I thought it was, it was pretty interesting that in the past couple weeks, there have been some whispers that Kellen Grady isn't as far along uh, as that the staff would like him to be. And that there was, there have been some early kind of roadblocks that he's hit uh, just in terms of adjusting to the pace of the game and, and the new, uh, you know, the speed of what it, what it takes to be in the SEC and guarding SEC def- uh, uh, offensive players and going against SEC defenders and those sorts of things that he has really struggled to adjust to those things coming from Davidson to Lexington. And not to say that he's been bad, but that he that there's definitely been an adjustment period that he's just hadn't quite caught up yet. And this was the exact quote that Cal gave Sunday evening that was kind of like, whoa, we haven't heard him this brutally honest about a player ever. He said, this is all new to him because he's playing faster than he's ever played. He's been so co- well coached in the game of basketball, but the speed, the athleticism, the length, it's different for him. It took him a while. I'll be honest with you, three weeks ago, you started looking like, man, I'm not sure. The biggest thing uh, for guys is you have to be able to slow your mind down. Your feet move fast, but your mind is slow. Um, and then he said, made some weird metaphor about a duck and paddling underneath the water and stuff, which we, we don't need to that. That's <laughs> we- a, a, a calism. But <laughs> the, the mindset in general of Cal flat out saying that three weeks ago, he didn't know if Kellen Grady was going to be the one that he that they he didn't know that he was going to be it uh, enough for this roster. And I thought that was something like when have we ever heard Coach Cal say something uh, of that nature about any player in his time at Kentucky? I thought that was like a whoa. Well, you know, he's never of, that honest about things. No, and and kind of wondering if that was a motivating thing too. You know, with with a guy like Kellen that he knows has played a lot of college basketball, but it is a change of pace. I mean, going from Davidson to Kentucky, it's a huge change of pace. The way uh, just the speed, the athleticism, the athletes that you're going to be on the floor with. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, that quote was definitely eye-opening to me. And it's one of, the, one of the biggest reasons I think I've learned the last couple of years to not really buy into what we're being told in June and July. Yeah. You know, we, we hear all these things in June and July. Oh, so-and-so standing out in workouts. So-and-so standing out in this and the, the open runs and stuff that they do. You just never really know until you get in there and those official practices start, and then you get to see, okay, what is the, you know, how, do, how are people picking up on this? How are they picking up with all this stuff that we're throwing at them? Because once they get into that official practice, the clock starts ticking, and you start getting all this information thrown at you. You're, you're learning new things. You're doing new things, trying to keep up here and there. And, and I think that a lot of these players, they're on their own different timelines and on their own pace, and uh, some get it quick. Some get it early and then fade. Some start out slow, then they pick up as the season goes along. And I just think that if, it, if the last year taught us anything, it was to kind of hold off 
until we see these guys in action when there's someone else in another jersey across from them. And, and that's what I'm going to hold off before I really make any judgments. But for Cal to say that tells you that there's been something that's missing there that he's wanting to see. And I think it's something that Cal saw on tape yeah. that he's wanting to come out of Kellen Grady here. And I just think that it's, it's taken these guys time. Jack, that's what I was saying a minute ago. They're going to be good. You hear Tom Hart talking about that this is a national championship team or a Final Four team. You hear other people talking about it. They're going to be a top ten team in polls. They, they, they have that. They have the pedigree to do it and the ingredients to do it. I just think that the way we talk about freshmen coming into this program every single year, yes, there's experience coming in, but there's so many new faces that Xavier Wheeler's having to get used to playing with Davion Mintz. And, now, Davion Mintz is having to get used to playing with Oscar Shibway and Damian Collins. It's going to take them some time, but I still think they're going to be a good basketball team when it all does come together. And they now when they get healthy, they just have not been healthy enough to really do time in practice right now. Yeah, and that could be a part of it because C.J. Frederick's been out. Now Bryce Hopkins has been out. A lot of that has been thrown on Kellen Grady's shoulders to kind of carry a lot of that weight. Um, and how, this is the good news, too, though, that remember in years past, they've had to add walk-ons just to have enough bodies to practice. Yep. So that was the good news, that they had a lot of scholarships that they used and stuff. They've got people. They haven't – I mean, they've, they've been having quality practices. Cal talked about it. Even the one that we watched the other day, it's a quality practice. But it's not the same when Lance Ware's standing on the sideline, no contact, or Jacob Toppin, C.J. Frederick, Ross Hopkins – you just you need those guys back. But there's a lot of people dealing with injuries right now, Jack. I know Duke's got their issues with injuries and stuff right now that uh, guys are trying to get healthy before the season starts. And you, you'd rather have them healthy here November, mid-November, than right now in mid-October. Absolutely. Now, before we move on from the, the Kellen thing, I do want to say uh, I, I 100% agree that it, it I thought it was a motivational tactic and something that, you know, kind of light a fire under him a little bit because – I'm going to be totally honest. I thought that he played just fine during the pro day scrimmage. I thought, there, you know, he only had a couple shot attempts, but I thought he really controlled the pace. They really get – I think they they let him run point guard a lot more than I thought that they were going to, and I thought he looked great playing. I thought he, he was able to control the pace, and he didn't – he let the game come to him. He didn't uh, – he was very patient and, and let plays develop and unfold in front of him before – you know, he didn't rush to make any – uh, you know, make any plays, and he wasn't, you know, going above and beyond outside of his capability. I thought he just – he was very comfortable in his – in that setting. Uh, so when he said that during the broadcast, I was like, mm, I don't know so much about that. I think he's – I think he looks fine. And then on Monday when we saw the open practice, and we're going to talk about the nightmare that was the scrimmage and how just there's almost nothing to take away from that because of of some – other issues that were out of the player's control but he was one of the very few players to to hit a shot in that open scrimmage I think he hit two of them uh, and I thought he he looked you know pretty darn solid as well I thought he again he ran point guard quite a bit Uh, so I I don't I definitely am not as down on Grady just in my first two uh, viewings of him as Cal was in that quote or what he was trying to hint at or get at I definitely think that that was just something that he was trying to do to, you know, light a fire in, under him because he does have those. I mean, look, the, the talk when he first arrived was, whoa, this guy I think is going to lead us in points in, in scoring this year. So you don't go from 
wow, I think this kid's going to be, you know, the, the truth for us to mm, three weeks ago. I didn't know if he was, I mean, man, I'm not sure was the exact quote that Cal gave. So I, I definitely think there was something to that quote where it was a, let's, let's light a fire under him and, and see him take it to that next level because no, no way he was, he bad. I mean, there's, that's just, that's just nonsense. He looked, he looked just fine. Maybe not, you know, putting up 20 points per game and just looking like the best best player on the team type stuff. But he looked just fine, and I think he's going to be just fine at the end of the day uh, for, for this team. I don't think there's much to worry about uh, worry about there at all. Um, yeah, Sean, while, I mean, while we're on that note, let's just talk about the uh, frustration that was yesterday's open practice, not in terms of, you know, the drill portion or the agility things or even some of the, you know, situational scrimmage things. But the actual open four-on-four and five-on-five scrimmage, Sean, was frustrating because, uh, you know, you had 30-plus NBA scouts and personnel in attendance for day two. Uh, they, all of them came together in Lexington for one goal, and that was to watch this team and see how they are as things stand today. They wanted to see who the biggest highlights were, who the, you know, the, the uh, potential stars are, um, you know, see a, a start of their development from the time they first get to campus versus what they're going to see at the end of the year when games are on national television. That was their whole reasoning for this pro day and this pro weekend, I guess, because it was a two-day event. All these guys came here to see these players individually. And, Sean, we didn't get – they didn't get to see these kids play because Cal – decided to blow the whistle 4,000 times and every four seconds, you know, because the, you know, hit reset on the drill because he didn't like where, like you said, uh, you know, where a player was setting the screen or how the play was even developing before we even got the chance to see a shot go up or it was such a stop and start and pause here and pause there that it completely killed the vibe and completely killed the moment, the, the flow of, of, of events for these players and I don't think they were able to show all that much in front of 30 NBA scouts in attendance Sean I thought I thought it was a slight disservice to the players to um, make it a coaching clinic and a a teaching opportunity event more than a let's let these these NBA scouts see what these players can do yeah that was uh I told you the other day that I that was pretty frustrating after about what the 25th 30th whistle Yep. Uh, that I just started looking at photos and stuff on the website and putting some things out. So they didn't really get to showcase that part at the end of it. They Now, the Pro Day stuff was really good. Like Pro Day to yes. me, I got more out of Pro Day Sunday night than I got out of the open practice on Monday afternoon. Like especially the last 25 to 30 minutes of Pro Day, I feel like we got a lot. Now, we saw a lot in the drill work of the open practice, but when it came to those live sessions there at the end, uh, that's where I was talking about that John Calipari is who he is. He has attention to detail. He micromanages every situation on the basketball floor. And he went into that mode that day, even with the scouts over there, when I I would have loved to have seen them play out of possession and then him teach it or something, but he was stopping it right then and teaching every single thing. There were a couple of times, Jack, I think they tried to start the same play there. They were running their Vegas and all that stuff and their, their looks. And I don't, I think there was like four or five straight plays where he stopped it on the exact same spot because he couldn't get someone uh, to understand what they were supposed to do, or maybe it was like a fraction off of what they were wanting to do. Yeah. It was, it was just like, 
it got to the point where at, at the start it was like okay they're they're ramping up for a all right it's time to you know i'm th- this is going to be the teaching moment and you know we're we're going to gear up for a a polished five on five scrimmage like it, that's what it felt and i was like okay cool i got you i got you like we're we, I can rock with this. I, I totally understand that what you're trying to do and you, you want to put them in the best position for the scouts because you don't want, uh, you, you don't want them to play bad in front of the scouts and then have them, you know, kind of knock down on the list of, of potential targets and uh, in next year's draft, what, you know, early on before the games even start. So I, I understand there was you, it's okay to teach. And if there's ever a time to, to, you know, kind of lay down the foundational, uh, you know, fundamental skills of basketball. It's now for guys that need it. It's, it's now I totally get it, but you, any of those scouts could have shown up any other day of the week for a coach Cal teaching clinic because he does it for the rest of the week. I know Cal said that, uh, they were going to be off for the next two days or whatever, but any other day in preseason practice leading up to the, the season, you're going to get Cal hands-on getting his hands dirty with, with you know, teaching and, and coaching and, you know, getting really nitpicky and hitting reset over and over and over again. You're going to get that every single practice. Why this one? Why not just let these kids make mistakes and play through mistakes and, and show what they can do? I had no real takeaway from that scrimmage last night at all early yesterday afternoon none I, I, there wasn't a single thing that I could say that oh uh, you know there we got some questions on on Twitter you know what were some of the lineups that that looked good during the scrimmage and and you know specific players that stood out during the scrimmage there were none because there was we didn't even get to that point where we could see who was looking good because honestly the the shots I, I can count on two hands how many shots were actually taken in the entire 30 minute scrimmage portion of the event uh, because we couldn't even get to the point of shots and of the shots that the players were able to take, they rushed them because they didn't, they knew that the whistle whistle was about to be blown in 12 seconds after that. So they had to get their shots up when they could, it, it, it got almost more sloppy because the players had to rush through their things because they knew that Cal was going to blow the whistle in another couple seconds. So it was just like, swallow your whistle for a minute. You have all day, every day to, to have these teaching moments let these scouts see what these players can do. They, they didn't get that chance. And I thought it was, I thought it was frustrating. And it, and it was uh, like you said, I thought that the pro day event was, was very strong. I thought that there were a lot of positive takeaways to, to take from that, but, but people asking about what I genuinely thought of, of the open practice and, you know, the drills were great. The agility stuff was great, but there wasn't a lot of, of major takeaways to have, uh, in terms of scrimmaging, because it was there was just so many so many whistles and and stoppages of play. So, I I wish I could have seen more, but uh, we didn't, Sean. No, yeah, certainly I wish we could have seen more, but we'll we'll see plenty here in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, shoot, Big Blue Madness is Friday, so we'll get a at least some semblance of a layup full court layup line what it amounts to be in dunk contest uh, for that one blue white's a little bit more organized but even still but but like you said i think that first um that that very first exhibition game is going to be kind of our first opportunity to see what this team is actually like and and some of the more specific takeaways from that um is there anything else that you wanted that kind of jumped out at you 
in either of those two practices that, you know, individual players that stood out or, or anything's anything that you really well, want to talk about? Not really that we got to see him a lot, but I, I said this to someone yesterday that when it comes to athlete on this team, I mean, Jacob Toppin's going to be your best leaper. Like we know that he's going to have the best vertical and just the things that he does, dunking the ball, his athleticism. You know, Damian Collins is going to be able to jump out of the gym. But you know who I think their best athlete is? Bryce Hopkins. Like I just – just watching him move, I know we haven't got to see him in contact. We saw him obviously at Iverson earlier this year, you and I did. But just watching him in these drills and just the way that he glides and transition and the things and just – there was one thing that they were doing there when – I think it was their perfection drill that they were doing. And his just – how smooth he is in midair, if that even makes any sense. Yeah. Even when he's not on the ground. You can tell how athletic he is, Jack, is just how smooth he is in his takeoff and his movement for a guy that looks the way he does. I mean, he's a bigger guy. Like, his body, he looks strong. I honestly think he might be their best athlete in terms of top to bottom, the things that he can do on the basketball floor. Yeah, I, I genuinely think that he was one of the biggest bright spots of, of, of that Monday open practice. I mean, the, he, his shot-making ability at all three levels, uh, I mean, he was really – comfortable in that mid-range that 15 to 17 foot jump shot I thought that he was really really polished and his form is consistent that muscle memory is there I, I really was impressed with just his pure skill and uh, he does kind of have that old man like YMCA game to him uh, that that you know he's he's just going to be able to give you some old man buckets you know like where yeah he's going to be able to go out to the perimeter and knock down some threes but he's going to be able to give you a traditional back to the basket you know back you down and, and, you know, go left shoulder hook, jump shot. You know, he's going to be able to do some things like that. Uh, he's very versatile. And I think that's um, something that you're starting you, – you started to hear a lot of whispers of, of him being a lot better than people are giving him credit for uh, earlier this summer. And I think it's kind of been full, full steam ahead since then. I think everybody is hyping him up and, and really thinking that he can be much better than people are giving him credit for. I think he's an instant – rotation player Sean I think he's a guy that he's going to be one of the top you know eight or nine players in this in this rotation and he's uh, you know it might send some other players to the bench who's who you know aren't as uh, ready this season and that's fine but uh, I, I'm very convinced that he's gonna he's going to carve out a role on this roster uh, and it's going to be a significant one I think he's he's definitely going to be one of the most undervalued players um, let's just kind of run through just a couple more players and, and give very very brief thoughts on it because you know we were kind of more uh, overall takeaways instead of kind of individual play-by-play -play. you know there are guys like Oscar Sheboy that we didn't really talk about and uh, some others um, I thought Keon Cal was hyping him up a lot not a lot of like I think he's he's more patient with his game and um, kind of letting things come to him he's not in a rush to you know jack up shots there were there were a couple different plays where he kind of drove in from that left wing and um, kind of um, got the proper footwork and was trying to create a shot and he had that one-handed floater through contact that was I thought was really impressive during pro day uh, but really haven't seen a whole lot of, uh, more out of him outside of kind of just catch and shoot stuff during drills he looks a lot better in shooting during the drill portion of things but he hasn't really shown a whole lot during the uh, the scrimmage 
you know, what you can call a scrimmage in the first two things. Uh, Davion Mintz, kind of a whole lot of the same stuff with him. No real new developments, just kind of good, solid play from uh, from a veteran guard. You know what you're going to get with him. Uh, we talked about Xavier Wheeler, talked about Ty Ty Washington. Oscar Shibway, absolute freak of nature on the glass, Sean. I mean, he's a guy that – I mean, he jumps out the gym, and he there was one play that he went up for a rebound yesterday at the open practice. He went up for a rebound and just had that such wide base and kind of threw his elbows out and just really uh, came down strong. I mean, just like a big bulldozer hitting the ground. And Kellen Grady was also went up, and he tried to, to uh, fight him for the rebound. And, I mean, Oscar just sent him – 10 feet on I mean just he slid all the way across the floor it was hilarious I mean uh, just the way he bounced off of him like a little uh, you know just little tiny kid almost and Oscar grabbing the big rebound it was like whoa that's a behemoth I mean that dude's just a freak athlete um still very raw offensively I think his his mid-range jump shot is uh, has grown a lot um something that was I mean just absolutely broken his first you know, coming out of high school in his first year in, in college, he just didn't have that game at all. I think his jump shot has really grown. Uh, I don't think he's going to be a, a guy that's going to create his own shot, but as a kind of a Nick Richards where he's going to get it in the baseline, I think he's going to be able to knock down some shots like that. Um, but still very raw, putting the ball on the floor and and trying to do too much at times. I mean, there were three or four times he lost the ball and, and turned it over uh, trying to drive to the basket, and I think that's just not going to be his game. He's going to be a uh, – pick and pop, you know, 15 foot jump shot guy or a layup and dunk guy. I think that's going to be the extent of his game this season. And I think that's all Kentucky needs. Um, Damian Collins, I thought was, and Sean, I want your, your thoughts on this as well, because I thought Damian uh, was much, much better than I've given him credit for. I've heard that he's kind of really behind. We've talked that he's, he just started playing basketball when he was 16, didn't start lifting weights until he got on campus. Uh, I think that he's, he's looked really, really impressive uh, where he's going to at least provide, you know, rebounding, dunking, alley-oops, uh, some cleanup stuff, and, um, and you know, blocking shots. He's going he's gonna to be a shot blocker from day one. I was really impressed with, with Damian Collins. He still has a long way to go, uh, but, I mean, he's, he's agile. He's quick. He's explosive. Um, and I think he's, he's – Still behind, but he's going to be better off than I than I thought, and, and that I've given him credit for, Sean. Yeah, I, I agree with everything that you just said right there. Are you wanting to jump into any of these uh, questions we got? Yeah, yeah, um, um, yeah. Lance Ware, Dante Allen, too. You know, they they both improved, um, but you know, no no huge major takeaways uh, in general. Um, yeah, let's, let's jump into the questions that we got on Twitter. Cause we did get uh, a bunch of them. Uh, when this is from Easton Henry, when will the basketball team get new uniforms? The word on the streets that, it, <laughs> that it's going to be next season, but we've kind of heard next season, the last four seasons. So, you know, who knows? I, I, I don't really have a huge problem with it, but it does kind of, it's gotten a little stale, Sean. It's, you know, we've had the same jerseys since what 2016 so i mean we're five five years with the same jerseys i mean come on we something's got to give we uh it, it's definitely time yeah it's beyond time they've, they've got to change uh I'm, I'm thinking next year is kind of that window to where that they go and do something different jared says case and wallace update Kentucky's still the leader. I'm not worried about his recruitment at all. I, I do think it's kind of interesting that we haven't heard anything about a moved-up timeline, but maybe he is firm on his on his November 7th 
uh, birthday timeline. Some people just have have days they want to commit, and that's totally fine. He's letting the process play out a little bit more. But um, everything that that I've heard is that it's it's Kentucky all the way, and nothing really to to worry about there. So don't don't sweat that one. Um, Ryan Lemon's hair plug says, "If you were a hot dog, would you eat your, eat yourself?" Sean, that's that's for you. <laughs> No, I would not eat myself. <laughs> uh, Kentucky Pudge, what reclass slash transfer options are on the wish list uh, for bigs if we lose Bona too? Uh, that player doesn't exist yet. Um, I, I don't – I think Bona is at the top of their list. Now, there are about a couple other Bona questions. So we'll kind of tie those in uh, with this one. But I don't think that player exists yet. I think, you know, Kofi Coburn wasn't a, an option until he was – Jalen Duran wasn't an option until he was, uh, you know, late early on this this summer. Uh, I think that there's going to be some high level All American talents that put their name in the portal. That's the that's the way college basketball is, and those players are going to be available. But Kentucky doesn't want to explore that option quite yet. They want to go uh, and and have a Dembona tell them no uh, until that point. So we're not going to hear any of those names or anything of that substance until then. But um, I want to kind of touch on um, Wyatt Huff says updates on Bona Wallace. Um, BBN MJ says, you know, Bona and and Wallace updates, please. Uh, Brian Cunningham, UCLA status with Bona, blah, blah, blah. I mean, we got a a whole bunch of them. Um, I don't know. There, there, there are a couple new, like future casts and crystal ball picks and those sorts of things that are coming out, but nothing has changed in his recruitment. If you listen to the show last week, I, t- I told you guys that I really didn't feel all that great coming out of Kentucky's visit that you heard when case Wallace left, that there was that, uh, that, Oh, wow, we got him. You know, things went great. Let's pop some champagne. Things went fantastic. There wasn't that narrative that came out of Lexington after the fact I talked to, you know, his guy after the fact, and he said that they were overwhelmed by how positive the visit was. They loved it. Everything was great, but, I didn't get that sense that Kentucky had like overtaken the lead or that it was this, you know, done deal, got him locked up type. Like none of that happened. So um, I don't, I think the, the picks that are coming in now are more so a realization that, that yeah, Kentucky didn't do enough to overtake the lead and, and that UCLA was already in the lead going into the visit and that UK didn't do enough to, uh, you, you know, kind of, retake that so I think a lot of those that optimism elsewhere 100% has to do with just kind of that realization that okay yeah this is where we're trending I think that and it's not done deal I'm telling you right now it's like there's this process is still going to play out another two weeks or so Um, but I do feel that UCLA has the slight advantage over UK but I don't I think it's more of a 55-45 deal I don't think it's like 80-20 or 70-30 even I I do think it's still very close but I would give the nod to uh, UCLA um, just out of the you know I think UK burned some bridges that haven't been able to be fixed, whether they say they're fixed or not. I don't, I don't think they have uh, completely. And I think that they've kind of bought into UCLA's pitch. And if things go as well as they're kind of hoping it does at UCLA, I think that um, it'll be enough to keep them up on top going into the home stretch of his recruitment. So uh, I think UK fans should hope that um, they they tell him that he's going to be the next, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar at UCLA that he's going to be the best thing since sliced bread because he's he doesn't want to hear that pitch I think that would turn him off and and kind of steer him back to Kentucky because uh, they are starting to tell him the right things the things that he's wanting to hear um, in terms of development and those sorts of things so 
long drawn out story short, I do think that Kentucky's still in the mix, but I would give the slight edge to UCLA with a week or two uh, until his final decision, which sucks, but what can you do? Um, Garrett Hollenbeck, who is the alpha dog on this year's team? Everyone seems to be all over the place with their predictions. Sean, what's your gut on that? Who's the alpha dog? Oh boy. That's, I think that's a tough one right now because uh, I want to wait and see who, who, how these guys play and how it plays out these first few weeks of the season. I'm, I'm going to say the alpha dog though. I'm just going to make a prediction. Keon Brooks. I think, I think Keon Brooks will be the guy. And what I mean by alpha dog is I don't think Keon's going to go score 16, 17, 18 points a game and average that this season. Mm-hmm. I think Keon's going to be a guy that you look at Jack, who's going to lead them in a, in a different category every single night they play. Whether that's points one game, it's rebounds the next, maybe he, he gets some assists this game, he gets some steals, some blocks. I think Keon's going to be the ultimate staff's, like stat, stat sheet stuffer for this team. I think he's going to have his hand across the board, maybe average about 12, 13 points a game, seven, eight rebounds. I think that's who junior Keon Brooks is going to be, and I think that is the alpha because he can affect the game in so many different ways. Yeah, I, you know, I think Ty Ty's a guy that could be that guy. I think Davion's a guy that could be that guy. Um, I, but I think I think you're right. I think Keon might be the – shoot, I'd like Oscar to be because he's kind of that, you know, kind of fun-loving, everybody loves him, kind of that, that uh, larger-than-life personality. I think it'd be cool to have a guy like that be the, the leader. But um, I, I agree. I do think that Keon's going to be that guy. He's the veteran. He's done it. Kellen is another guy that very well might, but he hasn't been – in the program for long enough. So he might not have the same long longevity uh, in terms of kind of vocal impact as, as uh, Keon does. So, yeah, I, I like that. I like, uh, um, I like your, your well, and that one. Oscar's got the best motor. Like I honestly think that Oscar's going to have the motor that, that runs the entire time. Uh, sometimes that motor is going to do it too much and he's going to make some mistakes and overplay, but, it's easier to tell somebody to slow down than it is to tell them to speed up. And I just think that Oscar's going to play hard every single moment he's on the floor. I also love that he told, uh, <laughs> that he told John Calipari, he told reporters uh, that SEC net- Network during Pro Day that uh, he wanted to average 20 rebounds a game. And, I, Sean, if that's uh, something that he can make happen, I'm sure he will go down as one of the most beloved uh, Kentucky Wildcats in history if he's able to average 20 rebounds a game. Well, I certainly think he's going to average 10 plus. <laughs> so <laughs> he's, he's going to be halfway there. And the thing, the thing that's going to help him out a ton is the, 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 the shooters they have, the space that they're going to occupy and the attention that they're going to require. I think that you talk about spacing. When you have guys like C.J. Frederick, Dante Allen, Ty Ty, the list goes on and on, out here shooting threes, you got dudes running at them with hands in their face. It's going to give Oscar Shibway a ton of room to operate and get offensive rebounds. And that's where I was coming from with Keon Brooks, too. Oscar, Keon, these other guys just crashing the glass. You saw it in their drills. Kentucky teaches put the ball back in the basket. Every miss you get, you stick it in, and then we take it out and go the other way. I think that could help his numbers. But 20, look, if he gets 20 rebounds a game on average, Kentucky's beating everybody. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's end it here. Um, Bill Webb, talk about some prospects UK can realistically get in 2023. There were a couple of 2023 questions. Um, Chase Peterson asked about Justin Edwards. Um, Wyatt Huff also asked about 2023 updates. 
um, go down the list. There's, there's a bunch of people that asked about, um, yeah, Garrett Hollenbeck also asked about who should we keep an eye on for 2023. Uh, I think uh, DJ Wagner's at the very top of the list. I think UK is in a phenomenal position with him. I think that they end up getting him at the end of the day. I think Reed Shepard ends up at Kentucky, and I, I think that's a pretty strong uh, once, once he received a scholarship offer. I think that was kind of an if, not if, but when thing that he's going to end up committing to Kentucky. UK is in a phenomenal spot with Justin Edwards right now. Uh, six foot seven, 180-pound kind of small forward, guard skill type guy. I really like his game a lot. If and when UK offers him, I think that they're going to be in the driver's seat for him. And I love, love, love where UK is with J.J. Taylor. I think that he's he's kind of that uh, Chicago, Chin Coleman. The connections are very deep with those two and, and that area uh, that Mac Irvin elite squad that, that JJ plays for that's that, that was uh, Chin Coleman's squad back when he was a coach as well. So there's a lot of deep ties there that are pushing him to Kentucky and he's, he's Kentucky quality. He's top 10 prospect, I think ranked as high as top five in some of the rankings. So uh, that that's definitely another guy to keep a close eye on plenty of talent at the top of the board that, you know, top 15, top 10, uh, even top five recruits. That I think UK is in phenomenal spot with that, uh, fans should be definitely excited about. And we're going to – Big Blue Madness is this weekend. We have confirmed that DJ Wagner is going to be there, that Reed Shepard's going to be there, uh, Mackenzie McBako uh, is going to be there, who is DJ Wagner's teammate. People kind of think that he's uh, leaning toward Duke, but he's another top three prospect in the nation. So uh, it's going to be another big recruiting weekend for Big Blue Madness. Uh, plenty of fun stuff coming up for us, Sean. We're going to be here too talk about all of it i believe both of us are going to be a big blue madness and uh all the other big time events that are coming up we have media day next oh. week. we have blue white game uh, it's gonna be uh fun fun is is right around the corner sean i decided to actually miss big blue madness uh, i did just get my credential approval but i'm making a change because i was going to do madness friday night and then leave straight for georgia i decided that i'm going to go to georgia friday night but the double dip I'm going to do is I'm going to do that Kentucky Wesleyan exhibition, then I'm going to start until the next day for football. Wow. <laughs> so I decided to focus on the football game this weekend because it's such a massive game that I kind of want to get down there and kind of take it all in. Well, fine then. I'll be there by myself, and I'm going to enjoy it. I can join you via Zoom, though, or phone uh. that night if you want to talk about it. <laughs> I will be watching Big Blue Madness. I'll be ready to talk about it. But, no, seriously, to all of our listeners, thank you all so much for continuing to listen. Stay with us this year because we got a lot of cool stuff and fun stuff coming your way. Jack and I are going to be talking quite a bit during this basketball season. Absolutely. We're looking forward to it, and uh, we, we appreciate all of our listeners. Sean, let's get you out of here. Where can fans find your work? You can find my work at GoBigBlueCountry.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at GBBCountry. You can find me on Twitter at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Reach out to me via email at jpilgrim at kentuckysportsradio.com. With that, we'll be back next time for another jam-packed Source to Save podcast. We will see you then.